Acts chapter 13. And as most of you know, the book of Acts is the record. Uh, we see the gospel going forth uh, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, we see the gospel leaving. By the way, it left Jerusalem not because uh, those in Jerusalem were initially obedient to carry the gospel. The gospel went forth from Jerusalem uh, around the world, basically because God had to allow persecution to come to get men to obey his purpose. And in the book of Acts, we have the record of the gospel leaving and going. We see the journeys of the apostle Paul. Uh, we're looking at the book of Colossae. Uh, as we're studying that, I want us to, to go back a little bit, and I want us to see a little, a little history, if you will. And I want us to learn uh, a lesson, if you'll, if you'll, with me, hope to learn something tonight. I think it will be helpful. I'm going to have you look with me at a couple of groups of verses, not long, long passages, but... Uh, would you follow along with me in chapter 13? We're going to read verses 1 through 13, and then we're going to skip to another chapter in just a moment. But follow along with me here, Acts chapter 13 and verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius and Cyrene and Manaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia. And from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. I want you to notice that. And when he had gone through the Isle of Paphos, they found certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elamas, a sorcerer, for so his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who also was called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season, and immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness." And when about seeking some to lead him by the hand, in verse 12, then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John departed from them, returned to Jerusalem. I want you to notice that man we see there, John, uh, listed in chapter 13. Look over to chapter 15 with me chapter 15, and we're going to look near the end of the chapter, verses 36, into the end of the chapter, verse 41. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, 
Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Now, let's stop here just a moment. Understand, we just read the beginning of their journey. They started to go. The journey started. Now we see them going back. And verse 37, and Barnabas determined to take with them John. By the way, this is the same John that we read about in the passage we just read, whose surname was Mark. We're talking about John Mark. In verse 38, but Paul thought not good to take him with them who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them. Now understand, we have two Christian brothers here, two servants of God, who this man, John Mark, and his departing or his turning back caused the division. It says, in verse 39, the contention was so sharp between them, they departed asunder, one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas. And departed, being recommended by the brethren of the grace of God, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, uh, Cilicia, confirming the churches. Let's pray together. Lord, as we look in Scripture tonight, Lord, I pray that your word would encourage, help, and Lord, even challenge us. Lord, as we look at... Mark, John Mark, Lord, as we see him turning back, Lord, I pray we would receive the instruction and help that we need as we consider tonight your purpose for us. Lord, would you use your word powerfully in every heart? Would you meet every need according to your will? Lord, we'll thank you for it. God, help me to preach your right and teach your right your word. In your precious name we pray, amen. I'm going to ask you to leave the book of Acts now and turn back to the book of Luke. And I want you to see one verse as we jump off tonight, speaking about John Mark. Luke chapter 9 and verse number 62. We see a warning here that I want us to pay attention to. Luke chapter 9, verse 62, And Jesus said unto him, no man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. We see John Mark, a man who did turn back. A man who for a short time brought dishonor to the Lord. Now, I praise God for a God who is a God of a second and a third and a fourth and, a, in my case, a fifth and a sixth and a seventh chance uh, because it was the same John Mark that God would use powerfully. We see that he did turn back. However, he turned again. Praise God for that. To becoming one of the most useful servants of the Lord, one whose ministry the Apostle Paul tremendously valued. Uh, we see that in 2 Timothy chapter uh, 4 and verse 11. Uh, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, uh, it was John Mark who God would give the words to pen, the gospel of Mark uh, that you have in your Bible. Not the words of Mark, but the words of God that God gave to Mark, a man who had turned back uh, to pen uh, his word. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction 
in righteousness. Now, with that being said, every bit of Scripture can be used to encourage, to help, to teach, to train, to help us. And tonight I want us to gather and take what we know and the information we know about John Mark. And I want us to use that to, to fortify our faith and our walk and our, our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, John, whose Roman name was Mark or Marcus. Uh, and we're going to look tonight and see a couple things about him turning back. Uh, number one, would you look back at Acts chapter 12? We're, gonna, we're doing a little bit of a history lesson tonight. As I mentioned, Acts chapter 12 and verse 12. We know about John Mark that he was greatly favored in his youth. Acts chapter 12, and as we see in verse 12, And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. I want you to notice this. Mark's home was a home where prayer was made. So, Pastor, you said he was greatly favored and blessed in his youth. Does that mean he had a lot of money? Can I tell you that having a home where prayer is made is much more valuable than having thousands and millions of dollars in a bank account? John Mark came from a home where prayer was made to God. We see that here uh, as it speaks about his mother. Uh, we see a prayer meeting there. Uh, I want you to imagine who would have been at that prayer meeting, the prayer meeting in John Mark's house. Most likely Peter was there. Most likely John and James were there. Quite possibly Jesus was there in that prayer meeting in John Mark's home. Later, Paul would have been one that would have attended that meeting. Can I tell you, Christian, that all of us no matter our background, no matter where we come from, no matter how we came to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are blessed and favored by the goodness of God, by the word of God, and by God's love. How powerful we see that. He was, and we, and we see this already, but I want you to notice, look in the book of Ephesians, and, and this ties in with this, but Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 John Mark was brought up in a godly home. Not only was his mother a Christian who, who had a home where prayer was made, but he was brought up in a godly home. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. John Mark was in a home where he was brought up. He was brought up in the nurture in the admonition of the Lord. He, he was privileged in that he had that opportunity. 2 Timothy 3.15 says, And that from a child, speaking of Timothy, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Now, how wonderful that not only was that true of Timothy, but the same could have been said of Mark. John Mark. Uh, Proverbs 22, verse 6, a verse if you want to look at later, uh, it speaks about the importance of being reared up in a Christian home, a godly home. Number three, we see his mother was a Christian. He was brought up in a godly home. Look at Acts chapter 12 again. The verse we just looked at, I want you to see that with me again. 
I believe we can take from this verse, not only was his mother a Christian, not only was he brought up in a Christian home, but Acts chapter 12 and verse number 12. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Many were gathered. Can I tell you, this was not a tiny home. Uh, this, this was not a hovel of a place. Most likely, John Mark came from an affluent background. Most likely, John Mark's family were people of means. Uh, there were many gathered together, a large home, maybe servants, maybe guests entertained. We, we'd use the phrase, maybe born with a silver spoon in your mouth. John Mark was such a man. He, not only that, but I want you to go back now with me, and we're finally getting to Colossians. Turn to Colossians chapter 4. And we're going to touch back just a moment in Colossians, and we're going we're gonna to do some more walking through the, through the Bible, through the New Testament. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 10. Mark had some relatives who were consecrated believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Most evidently Barnabas. Barnabas was either, and, and theologians disagree a little bit on this, e either his uncle or his cousin. I, I won't, I, I, I'm not going to fight about what it was, but he definitely was related. Colossians chapter 4, verse 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. And Marcus. By the way, that Marcus is the same John Mark. Marcus sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom you receive commandments. If he come unto you, receive him. Praise God for the opportunity of having family members that love the Lord. Some of you come from a background where when you got saved, you were the only one in your family who was a Christian. Some of you can look back and, and remember when you trusted Christ and how you were all alone. You were kind of an island to yourself inside your family. And praise God for the, the local church and praise God for our Christian brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, but how wonderful it is when we have, as well as Christian family in the local church, we have family, blood-related family that are also believers. And we see that John Mark had that. And something that is, is so important, look at First Peter with me. 1 Peter chapter 5, and I, I think this is so vital, and I want to spend just a little bit of time on this thought. And one of the reasons I wanted to pause to look back at John Mark is it seems that John Mark was converted or believed when he was quite young. 1 Peter 5, 13, the church that is in Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you, and so doth Marcus, my son. Most likely, it was Peter who led Mark to Christ. Most likely, Peter, by the way, most likely led him to believing that Jesus was the Messiah before Jesus went to the cross. Peter, who said, thou art the Christ. He said, to whom, where would we go? Most likely, he was saved early on uh, 
by Peter sharing the truth with him. That may, it may have been, and we don't, I don't know this, but it very well may have been Acts chapter 12, verse 12. In that very prayer meeting where prayer was made in John Mark's home, where Peter was, it very well may have been that night that John Mark got saved. Now, we see that John Mark, he, he, he turned back. But I praise the Lord that God was not finished with his life and he went on to serve the Lord. But here's the point I want you to get from this. So often we forget to realize the importance of a life, a whole life. You know, I praise God for every time I hear of somebody who trusted Christ late in life, someone who, uh, and we've all heard of those deathbed professions. I think of, every time I think of that, I think of Brother Maude. What's his, what's his name again? Oh, yeah, your mind's like mine. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, that's okay. Both, both Maude and I have Alzheimer's. A uh, man that worked with Brother Maude for years got saved, was it three days, two days, a couple days before was it just the day, day before, day before he died? I remember being in the car here in the conversation when Ahmad was speaking with him the day before, two days before. Pat, that's it, Pat. Ahmad was sharing the gospel with him, and Pat didn't get saved. I went to see him at the hospital, and, and just the day before he passed away, he trusted Christ. When Ahmad left, everybody that walked in the hospital after that, he told him he got saved. He trusted Christ. I praise God for every story like that. And by the way, I praise God the gospel still works no matter when you call on him. Uh, But I praise God a thousand times more for those who get saved, especially early in life, and have an opportunity to serve Christ down here for the whole of their life. By the way, that's why we're, we're trying to invest as much as we can in the children's ministry here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. What a, what a powerful thing to reach young people before they waste their life, before they've thrown away so many years of their life. And we see John Mark was a man who trusted Christ early on in his life. Uh, he didn't have to waste his life and finally hear the gospel, but rather he heard the gospel and had a life ahead of him down here to serve the Lord, if not perfectly, to serve the Lord. So we see that he was blessed. And by the way, you and I are blessed. We have many of the same blessings, not all, but many of the same blessings John Mark had. But number two tonight, John Mark accompanied Barnabas and Saul. We saw this already uh, on their first mission to the Gentiles. So whenever the first group left Antioch, Antioch was a church by the way, if, if, I, if I could go back in, back in time and if I could go and, and go visit a, visit a church service and go visit a local church in the past, I would have, I, I'd go to the church of Antioch. Man, I'd, I'd, get there, I'd get there early before the service started. I'd meet everybody that came in. I'd want to be there and talk to every person. It was that church where the believers were first called Christians. It was that church where the people around them said, oh, those people are just like Jesus. And can I tell you how they were like Jesus? Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. And the church of Antioch said, we've got to do what Jesus would do. And they sent forth missionaries. They sent forth people from their church to go and share the gospel. And in that first volley of the gospel going forth, 
the very first instance of the gospel leaving a local church and being sent out across, we see that it was Paul, it was Barnabas, and John Mark. When we think about his background, his influence, his home, his mother, I believe there was a burning desire in him to tell others about Jesus Christ. Christian, there ought to be a burning desire in us. If we've received the gospel, we ought to have a burning desire to tell others about Jesus Christ. It ought not be something that we have to be forced to do. When I was a boy, we had a Boston Terrier, and he did not like water. He did not like to take a bath. Anybody ever have a dog that didn't like to take a bath? I mean, he hated it, despised it. And Miss Lois, he was so smart, he understood English, and he was so smart, he learned how to spell. If you said, hey, if, if my dad said, uh, you need to give uh, Ralph a bath, or Rex, both of our dogs hated him. Uh, we had two different ones over the course of many years. As soon as he heard the word bath, he took off. He'd go hide. So we learned we couldn't say bath. So we started, my dad or mom, hey, uh, the dog needs a B-A-T-H. Brother Jim, it wasn't long until he knew how to spell the word bath. And you'd say B-A-T-H. And before you got to T, <laughs> he was gone. He figured it out. He was good at Jeopardy. Uh, he figured out what that word was going to be. He was out of there. He did not want to go. You had to pick him up, and he'd just be shaking and put him in the water. He didn't like it. A lot of us are like that when it comes to giving the gospel out. Right. <sighs> I got to run from that. But John Mark had a desire. How do, so, Pastor, how do you know? As soon as the very first group left, John was there. He, he, he went off. Uh, he traveled with them. We see that uh, in Acts chapter 13. Uh, but we see as well back, and turn back there with me. I want you to see it again, Acts 13. Verse 13. Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Pergam, Pamphylia, and John. Departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. He suffered a bit of a spiritual relapse. I believe there was some excitement. I believe he was giddy with the idea of traveling with these great Christians and sharing Christ. But he went back. He went back to his home to Jerusalem. He didn't stay with them. He, he traveled back. You know, we need to, as Mark needed to, number one, count the cost. Mark may have failed here. Mark may not have realized the cost Perhaps he felt a great thrill of being a missionary, but wasn't ready to face the problems. I talked to Elizabeth this week, actually today and last night. And Elizabeth told me that she tried out for the college tour group. She traveled last summer, and she tried out for the tour again this year and found out that she was the only, only person that traveled last year that tried out for this year. Now, some of, the, some, of the, some of the young folks are graduating. They're not going to be able to travel. But a lot of them just, no, that's pretty tough. I don't want to do that again. Uh, she was the only one. 
And can I tell you that sometimes we get excited, but we don't necessarily get excited to continue serving Christ. John Mark may not have counted the cost. It may be that he wasn't sure. It may have been that he got in a bit too much of a hurry when it came to doing what he was not able yet to do. By the way, I'm not angry with John Mark tonight. I want us to use some, some understanding here, and I want us to take that truth and apply it in our lives to help us to make lasting decisions for Christ, to be effective not just for a moment but for a lifetime. And 1 Corinthians, if you'll turn the window, we're looking at a lot of Scripture tonight. But 1 Corinthians chapter 7 We see in verse 29. But I say this, brethren, the time is short. The time is short, it remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none. Can I tell you the time is short? We have no idea how long we have. But get this God never hurries. God never hurries when he's preparing his workmen. We get in a hurry. I get in a hurry. I, I'm not a patient man. I'm, I'm always in a hurry. But God's never in a hurry. God has a purpose for your life and for mine. And God is working on you and will take exactly however long it takes when God called the Apostle Paul, we get this idea that Paul got saved and the next week Paul was preaching and Paul was reaching the world with the gospel. But that's not what happened. We see a long period of time where God was preparing Paul. A long period of time from the time of Paul's conversion to the time of Paul in ministry where God was working on and preparing the heart of the great Apostle Paul. And it may be that John wasn't quite ready yet, wasn't quite prepared, got in a bit of a hurry. Sometimes, and I, I'm not trying to be critical, but I, I want us to be wise. Sometimes when it comes to ministry, and especially when we think of full-time ministry, I, I've seen enough folks that were so excited to get involved in full-time ministry who were not quite ready yet. And there was some failure. And we need to realize that God has a timeline. God has a plan for us. And it may have been, I don't know this to be the case, but it may have been that John Mark wasn't really ready yet. That he went and realized, you know what, I'm, I'm not ready for this. Discipline is necessary. Humility is necessary. Obedience and trust. It may have been that John Mark's motive wasn't pure. We talked about David on Sunday, and David said, I'll go down, I'll fight Goliath. And his brother said, I know you. You just want to see the battle. You got bad motives, David. Now, David didn't. But can I tell you that oftentimes we do have bad motives? Oftentimes our motives aren't right. Maybe John Mark's motives were not right. Oswald Chambers, how many of you know the name Oswald Chambers? Mr. Chambers, one of the men that affected 
the cause of world missions, probably more than any man that ever breathed breath in this country. Oswald Chambers said once, why do you want to be a preacher or an evangelist or a missionary? And then he said, it may be harder to face God with your, motor, with your motive than to face congregations with your message. That's a powerful statement. That's powerful. It may have been that John Mark's motives weren't right. Christian, I, I want us to have an effective, lasting service for Christ whether we're in full-time ministry or whether we're uh, serving at a local church, I want all of us to be in it for the long haul. And to do so, we've got to be careful we keep our motives correct. It may have been that John Mark's motives were a little off. Psalm 139, verse 23 is a wonderful verse for you to look at later if you want to take the time to do so. We make a statement that oftentimes we, we know, we've heard, but we don't always understand and we don't always believe. You will have no greater success serving God somewhere else than you have serving God where you are. We get this idea that serving God is a place, that service for God is, is somewhere else, but our service for Christ is the same no matter our location. By the way, there's no wrong place to serve Christ. But we think that when I, get, if when I finally find that perfect niche, that perfect place, that's when I'm going to sprout and I'm going to bloom. And maybe for Mark, he thought, you know what? <laughs> I'm just not quite hacking it here in Jerusalem. Man, I want to go the exciting ministry with Uncle Barnabas. I want to go with that, that Paul guy. I want to go with them. I want, man, I want to be part of this is new and exciting. And he got there, and he was the same John Mark as he was in Jerusalem. It may have been that was the case for John Mark. If it wasn't the case for John Mark, can I tell you it is the case for us sometimes. Sometimes we think I, I'm, <laughs> things are going to be different Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says, Ye shall be witnesses unto me both. Both. Not when you find a certain place, then you're, then you're uh, sharing Christ. Then you're doing the will of God. But Jesus said, Ye shall be witnesses for me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and under the utmost part of the earth. The witness is the same everywhere. The work is the same everywhere for Christ. John Mark may have got the idea that when he got to that uttermost part of the earth, that's when he was going to make it. Christian, we need to make sure whatever aspect of ministry, whatever, wherever we are in service for Christ now, that we focus on that because that is the building block and foundation of every future decision, every future work for God. As we see John Mark here, maybe it was that he thought that eventually things would change. You know, it may have been, Acts chapter 13, let's turn there quickly. And I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture, but I, I just, I feel it's very important we see some things here about John Mark. I think it'll help us. Acts chapter 13 here in verse number 5. And I love this verse. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. Now, now, who is this that preached? It was Paul and Barnabas. So Paul and Barnabas were sent 
They were preaching. They were doing what they were sent to do from the local church at Antioch. And then it goes on to tell us, and they had also John to their minister. Can I tell you that it may have been, it may have been for John Mark that he got offended that he wasn't promoted. Maybe it was that he got offended that he was serving. Maybe he wanted to be served rather than to serve. We see that the two men that the church sent out, they had a, John Mark was there to serve them. And then we see, if we look at verse 13, he left. He didn't serve anymore for a while, for a period of time. In verse 2 of that same text, it says, And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. In verse 4, we, we see they set, sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed to Seleucia. From this they sailed to Cyprus. Two men. Two men were sent by the church at Antioch. I don't know this to be the case, but it may have been that John Mark was sent by Paul or sent by Uncle Barnabas rather than sent by God. We don't see anything about the calling of John Mark here. We don't see anything about John Mark being set aside to service. But yet he was part of this group. There may be the reason John did, Mark did not stay and went back and then finally turned back to serve. It may have been because John Mark did not yet have that calling. How vital it is that we know God's purpose in our life. I remember 20, almost 20 years ago, 18 and a half, 19 years ago, I had a pastor say to me, he asked me, the, and these were the words he said. He said, Brother Rice, and he said this to me in front of about 50 people. He said, Brother Rice, what would you say if I told you that I, I think that God wants you to lead, and he wanted me to lead a mission team to the country of Thailand? And I looked at him, I called him by name, and I said, Sir, I said, what would you say if I told you that you should leave your church and you shouldn't pastor here anymore? He jumped back. He was offended. And I said, I called him by name and I said, Pastor, I said, I know without a doubt that God has called me to the country of Canada just as much as you know where you're supposed to be right now. Can I tell you, I think maybe John Mark didn't really know. Maybe he didn't really know where he was supposed to be. Maybe that's why there was that little bit of a hiccup and a failure early on in ministry. We don't know for sure, but there's a chance. Because we do notice that he wasn't called. He wasn't sent by the church. How important it is. How vital it is. That we get in the will of God. And how sad it is when we get out of the will of God. Why? Can I tell you, when you get out of the will of God, when you get out of the place that God wants you to be, you do not just affect yourself. You affect others. 
when you get out of God's will in your life, husbands and wives, when your marriage is not what it should be for Christ, it doesn't just affect you. It affects your children. It affects your friends. It affects your family. It affects other members of your local church. Can I tell you, when a, when a preacher, a pastor, a missionary gets out of the will of God, can I tell you that it affects not just him and not just his family, it multiplies the effect outside. The effect of John Mark turning back, can I tell you it took two brothers, men that I believe you see were almost closer than brothers, Barnabas and Paul, and it caused a rift. It caused a separation, a division that was painful. It was caused by John Mark because of that issue of him turning back. Turn back to Colossians chapter 4 with me. And I love this part. And that's why we, we went all the way back to the book of Acts and looked at some history tonight to, to get here. The last thing we're told about John Mark indicates, and we know this from history, but we see this from this verse, it indicates that there was a complete restoration and, and a reinstatement and full dedication of the Lord in his service. Now, I don't know what caused the rift exactly. I don't know what caused him to get away. We looked at several possibilities, and it may have been all of those together. But whatever it was that brought him to that place, at some point, John Mark got settled. John Mark got serious about service for God. John Mark became faithful. John Mark began to go forward. Colossians 4 and verse 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. And Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas. By the way, who's penning these words? Who's penning God's word to the church at Colossae? It was Paul. Paul, who was a prisoner for Christ. And as Paul is penning the salutations as he's closing a letter, he said, I want to greet you from Marcus. Hold on. I thought Mark, John Mark, he went away. We don't have time to get into this tonight, but I believe Uncle Barnabas restored and built back and trained John Mark to the point where at some point later in Paul's life, John Mark came and ministered to him while he was in bonds. We see that. Second Timothy, if you'll turn there, just two verses I want you to see with me, and we'll close tonight. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. When I was a boy, I watched a lot of football. My father was a football player. My father had been a football coach. He'd played college-level football. He coached high school football. I grew up around football. And back in the 80s, early 80s, even into the late 80s, some, 
I watched a lot of NFL, professional football, U.S. football. And I watched, I couldn't tell you how many NFL games I've watched in my life. It was a lot. In the last 20 years, I probably haven't watched one NFL game, but I, I watched enough in the 80s to make up for it. And I remember my dad and I were watching a game, and if I could get my mind working tonight, I could probably remember the year, I could probably remember the teams, but my brain's not going to work that well tonight. But we were watching a football game, and we didn't really care about either one of the teams. How many of you ever watch, you're watching the sports because there's nothing to do, you know, you don't care about this team, but yeah, you're watching a game. And we're watching the game, and it was a one-sided game. Now, a one-sided game is fun if your team is winning. That's awesome. But if you don't care about the game, if you don't care about either team, or a one-sided game is fun if you hate the team that's losing. That's fun, too. But we didn't care about either team. And we're watching the game, and my dad said, I'm not dad went to go do something, and I was a young kid, which means I was lazy, Brother Jim. And I just... TV was on, I was on the couch, uh, you know, so I'm not going to do anything because I'm lazy. I sat there and watched the rest of the football game because the TV was hypnotizing me. And after my dad left, the tide of the game turned. And the team that had been losing made what at the time was the greatest comeback in the history of the NFL. And I was sitting there Wow, no way. My dad came back and said, well, how, how bad was it? I said, Dad, you're not going to believe this. They came all the way back and won, and my dad's like, yeah, right. So I'm telling you, it was the greatest comeback. It said it was the greatest comeback in NFL history, and you didn't even watch it. Can I tell you one of the greatest comebacks that we read about in the New Testament is John Mark. I love the fact that we see God revealing the heart of Paul as he's sharing with his closest, his closest son in the faith, Timothy, as he said, hey, bring John Mark to me because he's profitable. Remember there was a time when he said, Barnabas, we're going to part ways because I don't want anything to do with him. But something happened. Not only did John Mark turn back, but John Mark turned back again. And he turned back to the plow. And John Mark turned back to serving Christ to the point where the Apostle Paul said, that guy helps me. That guy's a wonderful minister for me. First John chapter 1, 9, and we'll close with this thought. First John 1, 9, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As we see a little teeny glimpse to be reminded of John Mark in the book of Colossians. As we think about his ministry, his early failure, his later service. Can I tell you at some point between those two times, there came a time when John ran to this truth, when John Mark ran to that truth. Tonight, Christian, can I tell you, no matter how bad of a failure we've had, no matter how difficult our struggles, no matter how often we fail our Savior, number one, he never fails us. Number two, 
we can always come home. We can always get back to serving him. He doesn't cast us aside. The Bible speaks about those that are cast in the outer darkness where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. But can I tell you, those are not believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. He never cast us aside. Paul wanted to. I'm not saying Paul was right. I believe maybe Paul was wrong in getting offended with Barnabas and not wanting to be with Mark. But he wanted to cast John Mark out. But God didn't. And praise God tonight, God doesn't want to cast you out, Christian. He wants to use us. He wants us to be productive. He wants us to be productive for the ministry. And tonight, can I tell you, we can be if we trust him, if we follow him. Let's pray together. Lord, help us tonight to, Lord, to realize that you do have a purpose for all of us. Lord, how blessed we are. How blessed we are to have an opportunity to know you. Lord, I pray that we would count the cost, that we would realize your purpose. Lord, I pray we wouldn't get in too much of a hurry, but Lord, we'd wait on you and trust you. Lord, help us to Take inventory of our motive. God, help us to not listen to the lie of the devil that says that we'll be more successful in another place, but God, help us to serve you where we are, when we are. Lord, I pray that we would realize the importance of being servants. Lord, it may be that John Mark didn't like serving. Lord, help us to be servants. Help us to serve one another. God, help us to be sure of your purpose for us. And Lord, as we are sure, may we stand upon that foundation of surety and may we stay faithful. God, may we not get out of your will, but God, may we get into your perfect will. Lord, I thank you for that wonderful verse, First John 1, 9. Lord, I pray we'd run there as we need it. Lord, help all of us. Lord, if we were honest tonight, every believer in this room would have to say at some point we've been like John Mark. At some point, we've gone back. At some point, we've turned aside. Maybe we've done it many times. Maybe we're thinking about it now. Lord, I pray that we would have a new resolve, a new conviction. Lord, I pray you'd be glorified in and through our lives. In your precious name we pray. Amen. God bless you and be dismissed this evening.